Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Five Tool Baseball Podcast. We're up to episode 57. I'm joined once again by Drew Bishop, as always. And uh, let's just get our scorching hot take out of the way. It's it's likely to make your, your car speakers or your headphones or however you listen to this. They might catch on fire. Clayton Kershaw had a perfect game yesterday. He left the game. I think it's okay. I think it's okay. <laughs> I think everything's going to be all right. I I think it's uh, not the end of the baseball world. I know there are a lot of people that were um, very upset and had some very strong feelings about Clayton Kershaw leaving that game. Um, but Clayton Kershaw had his first start of the year pushed back. He didn't end last season on the mound because he was hurt. He had a shortened, unusual spring training. He really didn't pick up a ball for three months during the MLB lockout. So, and he seems like he was, uh, he was okay with the decision. So Drew, that's my hot take on Clayton Kershaw. I think baseball is, is going to keep moving on today. They're going to play games. Um, well, people of all ages are going to compete. And uh, we're just going to keep keep going ahead and powering through. Yeah. Well, I mean, ultimately, he didn't seem mad about it. So no, no, he's not. I mean, I'm going to trust that he knows his body and his limitations as well as anybody. And if he's not upset about it, I'm not going to be, you know, I mean, what happens if he stays in the game? Doesn't get the perfect game and gets injured as a result of it? You know, I mean, like, then what? But it was, I did find it funny. They on the replay on uh, on MLB TV, they were showing uh, they kept showing these two Dodger fans that were, I guess, at the game. Mm-hmm. They were they were just loving every out all the way. And then I guess they said he uh, the the reliever that came in for him got booed. <laughs> When they announced him or whatever, like yeah, that poor guy, yeah. like the, like he, I'm sure he did not want anything to do with being on the mound in that situation. Right. Yeah. So he just promptly gave up a hit. I think he got one out, then gave up the hit, just get yeah. out of the way. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like I, I, it's, it's tough to argue when you see all the, like these guys getting scratched and dropped left and right um, from, from starts. And I mean, it's, it's going to be a problem. I mean, it's already a problem in some, mm-hmm. in some regards. I mean, um, you've seen it happen a lot already. And for fantasy owners across the board, I mean, it's, it's just like, what do you do? <laughs> I mean, yeah. we, I think I told you like in our league, we added spots because of it. We, we added bench spots just to, to hopefully negate some of that in these first couple of weeks, but yeah, it's a problem. And I mean, you know, the Dodgers aren't trying to win a game in, their goal is not to win all the games in April. You right. Know, their goal is to win the World Series, and their best chance to do that's going to include Clayton on the mound. So yeah, um, yeah. While it stinks for the fans, you know, I mean, everyone wants to win his history, but you know, at some point, you know, I mean, and you always look at it like, how many times do you see these guys that throw a no hitter? They kind of go on the celebration uh, parade for a few days, and then they're awful for a few starts. Like they just. You know, sometimes oh, it, it ha- it, it's relate. It's got to be related to the fatigue because they usually end up going more pitches than usual. Um, mm-hmm. Some of it's just probably getting out of their routine and doing some stuff they're not accustomed to on the PR hype train. But um, 
yeah, I mean, it's a thing. Like you see it happen a lot. So, uh, you know, I, like you said, I'm, I'm not, I'm not too worried about it, but right. Maybe, right. Yeah. We'll be yeah, baseball he, today. Yeah. It was it, the, the, the <clears throat> bummer of it was he was so efficient, but um, I mean, I think what, what we can do this situation is just blame Rob Manfred. I mean, that's kind of what Kershaw, <laughs> kind, what of Kershaw joking, did. Yeah. kind of did in his comments is like, yeah, you want to blame this, blame the lockout. Um, that's, but yeah, it's like, I saw so many pitchers yesterday leave starts in like before the fifth inning because these teams are like, look, these arms aren't built up. We're yeah. not going to keep trotting these guys out there because we need them over the course of six months and hopefully a yep. seventh month in the postseason as a, as opposed to needing them um, in April. You know, like Tristan McKenzie threw extremely well at Cincinnati and they got him out of there before the fifth and Nestor Cortez and um, on the flip side, on the non-Clayton Kershaw side, did you see what Vladdy Jr. did last night? I did. I oh also my heard, gosh! I also heard it. I was looking away for uh, looking away for a little bit while watching the game, and you heard it, and you're like, "Well, that's gone." Didn't yeah. without even seeing it, but that was impressive stuff. I mean, especially oh after getting gosh. his hand stepped on. Yeah, I got his hand stepped on. So he hit home three homers last night. One was 416 feet, one was 427, and one was 443. So uh, big man does not get cheated. Like these are these are legit bombs. And the guys he hit him off of, he hit two off Garrett Cole, and then he hit one off Jonathan Luizga. And the two fastballs he hit, one was 95-3, and it was sinking. It was like in on his hands. Um, another one was 98 from Cole, and I believe the other one was a slider that he hit out. And it's like – those pitches he hit on the inner half, I, I it's like I, I can't explain how a guy like that hits that ball out the way he did, right. like on a line, right. as far as he did. It's it's just incredible. But, I mean, I can't remember the last time I've seen a hitter when you kind of add the context of who he was facing have that impressive of a regular season perform regular season game performance. Like I, that's just, I mean, one of the best. I mean, arguably the best starting pitcher in the game. Um, I saw a past and tweet. It was the, the highest paid starting pitcher of all time. And then the Weizsika, I think, is one of the best non-closer relievers um, yeah. in the game as well. The guy was unhittable to end last season. So, yeah. um, just it just it's exciting because you can just flip on MLB TV and it's like, oh, my gosh. You know, you kind of follow on Twitter. It's like, whoa, Vladdy's already hit one. Now he hit a second one. You tune in, you get to see his third at bat. And, potentially see something like that so um big fella is uh is, is off to another good start to begin the season do you have mine any fancy teams i do not yeah no. he was um he was he was a farm guy for someone and oh man you can imagine that person has not relented um over you know his ownership <laughs> hasn't he will not probably not be leaving that roster for a while yeah, that's a uh, that's that's probably the best farm ad you could possibly have is uh, is Vladdy Jr. Especially now that Tatis is is on the DL for for a little right. bit. But um, we'll get into some game action. Um, unfortunately, the Dallas area weather was. Um, yeah, I remember getting a text from you. It was like, hey, is anybody getting really hard hail right now at their house? I was like, whoa. Hey, that we've been we've lived here since July. And we've had three instances of hail that had bigger hail than we ever had in Austin ever. Like, I don't, and it's, it, it was amazing. I was just watching it. It looked like it was snowing. It was like just pure Jeez. white. 
Yeah, it was wild. Yeah, Mary, you were driving through it one time, going, I think, to a yep. game or somewhere. And like, it's the weather's been, I've been getting a little knock on wood. I've been getting a little, little lucky around here when I go to games and stuff. But I know that area has been getting hammered. So um, I, I was a little nervous because everybody was moving games to Monday. And then the Houston area team started doing it Monday. And I kept looking at the weather forecast. It's like, Tuesday doesn't look too bad. Um, so fortunately, I got lucky. I got down to, uh, to Cinco Ranch in the Katy area to see Cinco Ranch play um, Katy and wanted to get some eyes on, uh, on senior UTSA signee Zachary Royce, um, right-handed pitcher who's been turning a lot of heads. We actually had some really good video on him um, early in the season um, when he was kind of getting some scouting attention. There were some scouts there to watch him as well. There was a UTSA coach there. Um, I wonder if he was kind of doing um, – what we used to call in the basketball recruiting world, which was doing a little babysitting, like, Hey, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> Oh yeah. 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 yeah I know you see these scouts in the stands, but, but I I'm, I'm here as well. Um, so I wouldn't go see Zachary Royce pitch. And uh, I wanted to see Katie too. I was actually supposed to see these two teams a few weeks ago, but they, they got rained out. Um, and Katie's just been playing ex- exceptionally well. Um, and so wanted to get some eyes on them as well. And, um, Katie ended up winning the game four to two really competitive game. I mean, this, that district is, you know, when you talk about Cinco ranch and, and Katie and Katie Tompkins and, and seven lakes, I mean, it's a really, really tough district. Uh, but Katie ended up holding on and getting the win four to two really competitive game. Uh, Royce's stuff really flashed. I mean, there's times where his slider was, uh, was really good swings and misses. The fastball is up to 93. Um, but that Katie lineup really made him work, made him throw a lot of pitches, I uh, was able to get him out of the game, I believe, in the fifth inning. I have to go back and look at my notes. But um, I think that that's a really good get for UTSA. I think that's a guy that um, has got an opportunity to throw a lot of innings for them. Uh, I wonder if maybe they'll want, they'll want to get him in the mix as a reliever early on in his career before they kind of transitioned him to a starter. Maybe similar to like a, like a Tanner Witt kind of had his role with Texas um, that power stuff playing out of the bullpen before he transitioned later on as a starter because um, they just, you know, had so many starters early on in his career. But um, I, I think he's, he's got a change up as well. Uh, two different breaking balls, but the slider to me was kind of the go-to pitch and uh, exciting player um, arm strength, very physical guy. I, I think that he's not probably not done growing, filling out as well, but he's, he's a big presence on the mound throws really hard. Uh, that's a really, really good get for UTSA. Um I didn't really know much about um, Katie's starting pitcher going into it, Lucas Moore, who's a junior. And I came away extremely impressed. Uh, kind of some Aaron Nola-ish vibes with the arm, the lower arm slot, kind of that, that high-waisted athletic type of body, um, that type of delivery. Uh, and this stuff as well, you know, one of those 68 to 72 mile an hour curveballs, kind of the, the tight spin and the big shape kind of coming out of that lower slot. Uh, but he, he throws a changeup that's like a split change. And, and it just, it baffled guys. Righties, lefties, really executed it well to his arm side against lefties. Uh, got swings and misses against righties with it. His fastball was 87 to 89 earlier on. Uh, but he could flat out pitch. He could really pitch, really competed well, um, executed. Um, I, there's more to come physically. Uh, that's a guy to me, like I watched him as a yo this is a D one guy. This is a guy that D ones are going to really track. Uh, they need to keep their eyes on this guy. Um, I, I think that he's, he's poised for a monster summer season um, and probably a big senior season as well. But Lucas Moore, 
uh, junior right-handed pitcher from Katy, ended up pitching six and two-thirds innings, gave up one earned run, seven hits, but three of them were defense and misplays. The wind was crazy. I mean, there was one inning is blown straight out. The next thing is blown to the side. And uh, that kind of wreaked havoc on the, the defense a little bit for Katie later in the game. But um, six and two thirds, uh, seven strikeouts, really competed well, um, held his stuff deep into the game. Uh, just a guy that I, I came away a big fan of. Uh, but that Katie team, I mean, the they're legit. You start going down the list of some of these guys. I mean, Parker Kidwell, who's going to Odessa, ball player, middle infielder. Uh, Ryan George, a, a senior HBU signee, was 4.19 down the line. Looked like he could play. Um, Braden Powers, a lefty, came in from Murray State. He's a Murray State college signee. Closed it out for them. Um, you know, Graham Laxton is a 20, uh, 2023 HBU commit. Um, Dominic Melkor, Murray State college 22 signee, did, did some good things defensively. From the catcher spot, um, uncommitted um, Cameron Stuckenborg hit a two-run homer. Um, Andrew Hilton looked like a dude at shortstop potentially, and I know he's the guy that people are really excited about on the pitching side. Um, you know, Sutton Sutton Hole, uh, sophomore, uh, looked like a really interesting right-handed hitter. And then um, I got to get this name right, uh, Jonathan Ferebus or Ferobus. Uh, physical senior right-handed hitter played first base. I, I really like to swing. He's uncommitted. Um, and he's hitting three hole for one of the best teams in the state. Um, that's a guy to me, I think that is, is definitely talented enough to keep playing somewhere like to swing from the right spot, right side. He's got some bat speed, um, physical. Um, he's got some power as well. So, um, that Katie team was really good. And that single range team was legit too. Gavin Rutherford in the 23 class. He's the QB one for them. And, on the gridiron, um, had a really hard hit ball into the right center field gap. I uh, mentioned Royce, Lucas Franco, who we, we saw in the summer and rode up um, during his time uh, with, with 12 baseball. He's a TCU commit. Uh, he's starting on varsity for them, which is a really, really strong accomplishment. Blake Hansen, a 22 uh, A&M signee. He was 4-2 down the line, played center field. And I'm glad I texted Coach Brett Wallace because I was like, hey, has he gotten faster because when I saw him in the summer, he played first and he had actually had a labrum injury, I think last year um, yeah, that he's still right. kind of recovering from. So um, was impressed with him, moved around really well for a guy that was a physical guy. He can definitely play outfield at the next level. And then Brock DeYoung's a sophomore shortstop for Cinco Ranch. His dad played at Ole Miss. He's going to be a player. Really good actions defensively, athletic, quick transfers, uh, 4.2 down the line. Uh, I think his dad is six foot five, so he's a little undersized right now, but I think that he's going to grow. I think he's got a chance to be one of the better guys in a 24 class from a middle infield standpoint. But um, yeah, just a really competitive game. Uh, Katie, both those teams are, are going to be playoff teams, I think, but that district is just so tough. Um, kind of wanted to, how we wanted to transition today, you know, talking about Katie, because to me, they looked like a, a legitimate state title contender type of team. When you talk about what they can do on the mound, I think Lucas Moore's like their third pitcher. Uh, you go up and down their lineup, they're physical, they're athletic. They really compete. Um, they timed up low nineties fastballs, no problem, which you don't often see high school teams do. Um, so we just want to talk today about some of the teams that we've seen so far this year with our own eyes that we think are, are title contenders. So I'll start with Katie in six a, because um, to do what they've done in that district so far and get my eyes on that roster and a guy like Lucas Moore, who, who might be your third best pitcher, they've got the ingredients to, to make a state title run potentially. 
Yeah, and <clears throat> sticking in 6A, I'm going to go with um, the defending state champs, Heath. Um, they have a lot of returning experience on the mound with Baylor Bauman, Johnny Lowe, um, hoping to get Cade Sharp, uh, Texas Tech commit, who's been out with That's injury right. coming off Tommy John, I think, uh, but an injury. Um, he's going to – think he got cleared recently and about to start throwing so if they can get him ready to go by the time playoffs roll around like that's another big time arm you got trevor tranberg i mean that's uh colin adams is you know moved in from california and has been a good left-handed arm out of relief um just a guy that gets outs and knows how to pitch um uh, but you know as we go through these teams one of the things that i you know that's it's a duh type of statement but you know, really to be these type of teams that are going to have a chance, you got to have at least two pitchers. Yep. A good shortstop and a good catcher. Mm-hmm. If you don't have those things, you're probably not going to be in a very good position to win state in, in Texas at, at any level. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, he has checks those boxes with Jet Williams, the, the pitchers we just talked about on the mound. Um, and Gage Barkley's been um, uh, catching well. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's you got to have those ingredients. And uh, Heath is one of my two 6A teams that I think have a chance. The other one's Flower Mound Marcus. Um, they've got good pitching. They've got Ivy League guy Tate Evans, um, who I saw earlier this year just dominate. Um, he's really good. You've got Hank Hart playing shortstop. You've got Van Klein going to Air Force behind the plate, who's just senior leader, just, you know, just a winning type player. Um, you got Caden Sorrell, 2023 AM commit, and you've got Jake Dewar, um, who can rate. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of guys. I mean, he, yeah, so, like, they've got the ingredients to do it. And both of those teams just play good baseball. That's the thing that sticks out about these teams that play winning baseball is they play good defense and they don't beat themselves. Um you know, those are, that's, there's a couple other teams that I had in contention for the list, but, you know, in all my time seeing them, they've been a little bit up and down and a lot of it comes down to fundamental stuff more so than just pure talent. Yeah, no, that's right. That's, it's, you know, thinking back to that Katie game, they picked off Cinco Ranch in a first and third opportunity twice. <laughs> so like yeah. they, they, they know how to play the game. Uh, it's just little things like that. I mean, like you said, you've, you got to be able to get your outs on time. You got to be strong up the middle defensively and you've got to have pitching depth, um, you know, because, you know, who knows what staffs are going to look like in a month, you know, when you've added, you know, even more of those district innings, you're getting into the postseason, and um, you know, what's the health of your pitching staff, that sort of thing. Uh, we, we see it right now, you know, guys sometimes have, you know, get start skipped for a week or, or, you know, guys in and out of the rotation, that sort of thing. So you, you've got to have that pitching depth. Um, and I, I know from, from what I've seen, I haven't seen Heath personally, but I, I know that they've just got a long list of guys that can kind of come out of the bullpen and or give them a start and opportunities. But uh, my second 6A team is, is Tompkins, um, which they are, uh, let's see here, 21-1. and one. Their only loss is to Katie. They lost 5-2. to two. Um, in that game just kind of goes to show you how loaded that district is that both Katie and Tompkins uh, are, are two of my six day title contenders and they're both in the same district. But I think you make a, a good case that Tompkins has the best lineup in the state. 
and it's talking about Jace Lavalette and, and Drew Markle at shortstop, what he can do there, and Landon West, Jr. committed to Rice, and um, Jack Little, Wichita State signee. I mean, just the list goes on and on and on of, of guys that just are, are really, really good hitters. Um, and they've got so much athleticism, too, you know, with Lavalette in center. I mentioned Markle at short. I mean, Jack Little can run – you know, probably sub four one down the line. Um, he kind of is a utility first baseman for them because just have that's just they need a guy over there that can catch the ball at first base. Um, so they, they've been outstanding this year. Um, I mean, they've really the only team that it was really close with was Cinco Ranch when Zach Royce was pitching. They won that game four to two, and then Katie um beating them five to two. But everything else for the most part has been, you know, they just after they kind of started a little slow in tournament play, they've just been scoring double-digit runs um, almost every single game. So um, they're one of those teams I think if you've got to get them in two games because if you get to a third game with them, chances are your, your staff is probably running on fumes a little bit, and they're rolling out those big boppers and that speed and that athleticism all across the lineup. Uh, and that's the type of lineup that can put up some, some crooked numbers in a hurry um, in, in those innings against kind of those lesser arms. So um, Tompkins, to me, definitely one of the uh, the six-day uh, title contenders, uh, which gives that district two, um, you know, legitimate state title contenders with them and Katie. Yeah, so moving down to 5A, um, I'm going to go with uh, a little bit off the radar pick, but team that I got to see, and they have all the ingredients to make a little bit of a run, but Hallsville. Um, okay. They, they've, they've got – they've got Landon Bowden on the mound mm -hmm. um, who can, you know, that stuff, he, he's a double digit strikeout guy, almost every outing. It seems like uh, lefty that I mean can, on the right day can beat anybody. Um, another, their other <clears throat> starting pitcher, 2024 Blake Cox. I haven't seen him, but heard a lot of good things. Um, catcher, senior leader, Matt Houston, Navarro commit, uh, 2024 shortstop TCU commit Sawyer Dunnigan, Logan Jones, the guy at the top of the lineup that crushed the ball uh, when I was there and athletic center fielder, Ethan Miller um, has a chance to really do some stuff in the future. Um, I, he was one of the ones that I really liked watching him in, in and out, just had a cannon uh, through with accuracy. And you can tell there's, I mean, we talked about this guy the other time. He reminds me a little bit of Connor Rowe. Um, that played, yeah, played at Texas, really athletic, a little bit thin right now, but big time arm, um, got some big time bat speed. Uh, but they're a team that's got a chance to make some noise, you know, and a lot of it comes down to matchups and who you play. But, you know, they're a team that you definitely don't want to flip for one game against with Bowden on the mound. No. Um, uh -uh. So, yeah, so it's always interesting. <clears throat> the strategy on some of that, but you know, that they, they could be a team that might go that route, but they might not because they're so, they're so loaded top to bottom, um, you know, with solid players and guys that, you know, there's some high profile guys on that team too. You, you, you remember the best cautionary tale about flipping and playing a game. There's, there's always, it was a little before our time, but there's always one I think of it's like, don't do the single game. Oh, Beckett. Beckett. <laughs> the spring high school at Josh Beckett um, and and won the flip and decided to do a single game and lost. And if I remember right, they lost like two to one and he gave up two unearned runs because the catcher couldn't catch the ball or, or, or something fluky happened yeah. in the game. Um, but, yeah, that's that's kind of the cautionary tale. 
um, because I I don't know if we've seen a better high school pitcher um, in yeah. Texas since since Josh Beckett way back then. Well, um, on on the flip side up here, I think it would must have been either like when I say like two thousand ish. Um, Coppell was loaded. They had Jason Stokes, who was like the national player of the year, just total monster. And they had a bunch of really good players, like the, uh, Jonathan Walsh's older brother was on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Koi Polk um, pitched on that team, but, but they were Coppell was just absolutely loaded. And I think they were ranked like number one, number one in the state for sure, maybe in the country. But um, Mesquite Poteet gambled and they threw a little soft tossing lefty that was like oh no a guy named clayton jerome and they won and Botit won one zero oh. i think it was it was either like the first or second round but it was a, i just remember it being a huge deal but yeah so Dude, that's a situation it, it, when you should do it because you know you're overmatched right, and right. yeah yeah Right. It's just like, if we're going to get them, it's going to be in a one game because we're not yeah. winning two games against these guys. But, yep. oh, man, I can't yep. imagine. It's a, it's always the soft tossing lefty. That That's what it, it's it's always the fastball change up guy that it just like these guys are used to sometimes facing way harder uh, velocity and stuff. Yep. But, yeah, I can't imagine that's a whew, that, w- that would be a tough beat for sure. Um, I'm going to still I'm going to stick in six A with my next team and that's. Lake Travis, uh, a team I saw um, actually scrimmage uh, earlier this year against another team that's on my list. Um, but they just you, you talk about depth, and they've got a ton of it um, on the mound, in the lineup, um, defensively. They got a bunch of guys that can play different positions. Um, I think Caden Kent is the heartbeat of that team. He he really sets the tone for them. He's just an all business all baseball, all competitor type of mindset. And I think those guys really feed off of, of what he brings there and, and setting the tone at the top of the lineup uh, for those guys. But uh, they've got guys that can hit for average. They got guys that can hit for power. When you talk about guys like Cole Johnson in the middle of the lineup there, um, they just got Pierce George back. I believe he, he returned from a, from a shoulder issue earlier this week. Um, I got my first look at Luke Jackson and was really impressed a, a few weeks ago. Um, they've got all the ingredients. Um, they're 21 and three right now. Um, they're perfect in district so far, uh, a competitive district, um, you know, just, uh, buoys in there. Um, you know, it's, it's a pretty tough district and, you know, they had that big matchup, you know, early in April, um, a non-district game against South Lake Carroll ended up winning that game. And we know how mm-hmm. good South Lake Carroll is. So, um, I think Lake Travis has the ingredients, um, to really, really make a deep run, OJ Gonzalez, uh, we've written about him before. Junior right-handed pitchers really come on for them. Jackson Baker, junior right-handed pitcher, committed to Alabama, and then Luke Jackson as well. And they've got, you know, they 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 brought up a guy from the JV team. Um, what is his name? Caden Leone, I think. Yeah. Um, and it's like mid '80s with a legitimate changeup and a breaking ball. And it's like, wow, you, these are the types of guys you have on your JV team. So. Uh, I think Lake Travis has definitely got the the ingredients to make a deep run in the playoffs. Yeah, well, from there, I'm going to drop down to 4A a little bit. Um, you know, obviously, the the big, big bad wolf in 4A is sitting right now, but I haven't seen them, so I'm going to stick with two different um, 4A teams I've seen in the area that have a chance to give them a run for their money um, with Argyle and Salina. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to start with Argyle first, but they've, they've got – um, senior pitcher uh, Evan Brandt, who's been really good as of late. Park Prater, we've seen do it with the bat and on the mound. Good left-handed arm. 
uh, Hudson Imaterio, who we, who I got to see against, um, who I got to see against uh, Geyer, um, really throw the ball well. He's a guy that commands basketball both sides of the plate. Um, you know, they've got that shortstop that we always talk about with a winning player with J.C. Davis. Um, you know, you, you know that he's in control out there of the defense and moving guys around and just, a, you know, feels like he's a, a, a big leaguer, really, just the way he moves around on the field and, and, and plays the game the right way. Like, he just carries himself like that. You know, you're not going to worry about uh, guys being out of place or not knowing where to go with the ball with him out there. And they've got a good catcher with um, Sandifer as well. So they're good. And then moving over to Salina, um, you know, you've got two arms there for sure with RJ Ruai, uh, Baylor commit. You've got Noah Bentley, OU commit. They've got a catcher with Caden Mitchell, Illinois commit. Um, and they've got a couple, couple other good young players too. Um, Major Brynion, um, the Ty Martel Johnny, like I don't, that was one of those names. <laughs> I just, that we're never going to get right, but, um, they've got options, man. They've got, they've got a lot of talent up and down the lineup. Um, they can pitch, they can play defense and those two teams are going to have a shot. Um, you know, it'll be, it'd be interesting to see those, those two teams go up against Sinton. Um, but, uh, yeah, those two teams have a chance for sure. They'll definitely make some noise in the playoffs. I would think. Yeah. Whenever you have a rotation like Salina has, I mean, you've, you've got a chance, um, for sure. Uh, cause those two guys on, on any given night are, are going to give that team a chance to beat anybody, uh, regardless of level or whatever, because they're both really, really talented pitchers. And you mentioned them. Uh, I, I have seen Sinton. I saw him three times in the, uh, at Dripping Springs in that tournament. And, uh, you can make a case that, that you can make a case of the best team in the state, regardless of, of classification. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny too. Um, you know, I, I was talking to our guy, Jaquay Stewart about this and you see Sinton roll up and it's like 13 or 14 players and you, you see them kind of roll up and, and they're facing a six, a team and it's like 30 guys, 30 players yeah. out there. Cause they got yeah. all these pitcher only guys and everything else. And, and, and Sinton doesn't have that. It's like they're, you know, their pitchers play too. Like, so um, they might not have, the depth of arms that that a Lake Travis or or a Rockwall Heath or somebody like that has, but um, their arms at the top are, are very legit. White Wide Trek, uh, Jaquay pitches. Um, I mean, they've they've got some arms on that staff that can get the job done. Braden Brown, who's committed to the same Houston State, is a really talented two way player. But you talk about what you want to be strong at. I mean, the catching. Nobody in the state has better catching. You can make a case yeah. that their second catcher is better than everybody else's catcher um, in the state, you know, with, with Blake Mitchell and Ryland Galvan kind of trading off behind there. And, and Blake Mitchell is able to go play. Um, they're both able to go play in the infield when they don't catch just kind of speaks to their athleticism and their, their skill level. But um, I mean, they can really, really, really most, hit. Most D ones in, in Texas don't have two catchers that good. Right. Yeah. No, you could, you could put them up against pretty much any college uh, catching group and uh, they don't, they don't have the talent that that Sinton has down there, but uh, their, their lineup top to bottom, they just grind. They can, they can run, they can hit the ball out of the yard. Um, and they, I love the way that they carried themselves too. Like they didn't carry themselves like a team that knows 
they're the best highly rated team in, in 4A. Like they carried themselves like we're out to kind of prove it every single time we go out here, you know, and, and especially when they were in those tournaments playing those 6A teams and stuff like that. So um, they've been remarkably consistent, uh, putting up some big run totals. Uh, just like every night, it's like one of those guys could go off and carry the team. Maybe it's Jaquay one night. Maybe it's Ryland Galvin one night. Maybe it's Renee Galvin one night. Maybe it's Blake Mitchell. I mean, it's Brown. Like, I mean, Kanan Chester, like, I mean, the list goes on of guys who are just kind of capable of carrying a lineup for a night, um, you know, and, and by hitting a home run or doing whatever it is. So um, sitting in the 4A, I mean, they, they're, they're going to be really tough to beat. Um, you know, it should be a really, uh, really fun and, and competitive and deep playoff run for those guys. And then my last one among, among these five state title contenders that I, I've seen um, is Georgetown. Uh, I, I saw Georgetown early in the year against Lake Travis and, you know, they don't have kind of the long D1 list that a lot of these other um, big-time 6A programs have, although they have guys like Zachary Mazuk um, signed to Baylor, the catcher who we're big fans of, 5-55 guy. He's been really red hot at the plate recently. Um, and Zach Zavala, although he's injured right now, I was just texting with, uh, with Coach over there at Georgetown. He's going to be – they think he, they're going to get him back in a couple weeks – but they're just one of those teams that like they've got a bunch of guys that know how to play and know how to yeah. compete. And I was looking at their schedule. I'm going to pull it up right now. Um, the list of teams that they beat in the non-district earlier this year. Um, let's look at it here, Georgetown. So they they beat San Antonio Clark, which we know is a really good 6A yeah. team in San Antonio. Smithson Valley. Yeah. Bernie. Um, yeah. Prosper. Highland Park and Allen like that's a hell of a non uh, non-district resume to have some wins against um and their district's tough too Cedar Park is a, is, is a legit team um Leander Rouse always does some good things Round Rock obviously has got Travis Sikora he hit 100 miles an hour again a bunch of times in his last spot so that's a really really tough district and they're sitting at 19 and 3 right now um I believe they are they're 7 and 2 in district but They've gone up against some more talented uh, 6A teams, and they've beaten them. Uh, they just they're they're well coached. They know how to compete. And when you've got the catching um, defense and, and two way catching talent that they have there, um, and, and with the, when they get Zavala back, they're going to be really strong up the middle defensively. Um, they just kind of know how to play and know how to win. And I, I think that they've got the ingredients to make a run there um in 5a and um i don't think it'd surprise anybody because that's just kind of what that program's done for a long long time now yeah i mean it, it, we talk about it a lot you know it's it's not these teams you you list like there's obviously some star power on most of them but you know the the difference in the separator a lot of times is the depth um, not necessarily, and I don't necessarily mean the depth on the bench. Cause like you talk about a program like Sinton, like they don't have that many guys, but the, the guys that are, you know, not the quote unquote stars mm -hmm. that can they play good baseball? Can they, can they be that person that is the player of the game in a big game every now and then, you know, you see it a lot of times, like in some of those championship championship runs, like there's going to be at least a game where, and you know, there's a quote unquote unsung hero that comes up and does something big, 
Um, and, you know, looking at these rosters on the teams that we've listed, they all have some of those guys that are just good baseball players, mm-hmm. maybe down at the bottom of the lineup that, you know, know how to win or, or, you know, get down a bunt or, you know, just make all the routine plays. I think that's the biggest thing that people overlook is, you know, yeah, the talent sticks out a lot on, in a lot of these scenarios, but, you know, if you may not be in that position, if you're not catching and throwing the ball and, I think that's one of the that's one of the always been one of the separators for me on what makes a team a real contender. Obviously, you got to be able to hit some, you got to be able to pitch. Those are the no-brainers. But if you don't play good defense consistently and and limit mistakes, like you're you're only gonna go be able to go so far. Yeah. And a lot of times those mistakes are what win and lose games. Um, especially as you go advance further and further in the playoffs, you know, like one 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 key mistake can cost you a season especially when you talk about teams like we are and the level that they're going to get to at the end of the year yeah yeah no it's 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 a huge deal it, you got to be able to have guys that can kind of come off the bench and help you i mean i think a, like a guy like wade denton who i saw earlier for georgetown i mean he's been playing a big role for them just sometimes he comes out of the bullpen sometimes it's a big knock you know just a senior that knows how to compete and play i think he's still uncommitted right now which um, that's a guy that, that I, if I was a coach looking for, you know, somebody I'd, I'd, I'd get some eyes on him. Maybe it's the, you know, the, the D2 Juco mid-major, whatever, but, uh, he's doing a lot of big things for, for that program. But yeah, those are, I mean, it's, it's, you gotta have the kind of environment and the culture and, and the coaching and stuff like that to where if you do have to lean on, on, you know, a guy that you didn't plan on leaning on, um, uh, they can come in and do the job for you because like you said, it's like, yeah, how many times have you seen you know really loaded matchups this year? And it's like it kind of comes down to a booted ground ball or or a base running thing or or just just something little like that to where yeah that that team just didn't get their outs on time or or there's a pass ball situation and a key run scored like that's often what it comes down to. It, it's not it's it's usually not like if the if the talent is even just kind of similar, um, that's usually not what wins on its own it's those little things like just being able to play the game and run the bases and catch the ball behind home plate and get your outs on time yeah for sure I mean it happens at all levels <clears throat> you know it's I mean you, you see it like we talked about the the difference in that Tennessee and Texas game early in the season yeah. was a mistake right like, and that's I mean, the only game Tennessee's lost the last I looked so that's no they lost on Tuesday who they, they lose to Tennessee Tech and oh, the, so, the Matt Bragg, the Matt Braga Express is back at Tennessee right. Tech. Well, so the big uh, contra- I don't know if you want to call it controversy and you get differing uh, differing sides of the story, depending upon who you ask. But so both teams use wood in the game. Interesting. And, OK, well, there's some people are saying, oh, yeah, they, well, they put so they played in a minor league park and some people are trying to spin it as, oh, well, we, yeah, they, they did it because they were playing in a minor league park. But there's also some um, some, you know, there was the controversy against Vanderbilt with the bats. Mm-hmm. And there's been some buzz that there was there was a little bit of a, OK, you want to talk about that? Like, well, you know, what do you want to use? We'll, we'll do it. We don't care. And uh, Tennessee Tech ended up winning the game. Low scoring game. Um, but that's Tennessee, that second loss, but you know, it's, it's funny though. Cause like, 
you know, those in-state games, like they mean so much, but like, honestly, the, you know, I've seen a lot of teams that have been on runs like Tennessee have, and it's, it probably ends up being a good thing for them. Um, you know, cause they're, they're, they're made right. And they're obviously head and shoulders above everyone else right now. Um, but it's those reality checks and those long winning streaks can be good. Um, yeah. And I would expect, you know, with a coaching staff like that, they're not going to get too, too overwhelmed by that one game. Um, or too too caught up in it. I mean, but yeah, but it was interesting. It was a little uh, little. There was some back and forth going on there, but um, yeah, they're they're uh, they have another big SEC series this weekend. But yeah, I don't remember who. I don't. I think they play Alabama, who's actually been pretty good. Yeah, recently. yeah. Who did they just swept somebody? Didn't they? <laughs> yeah, they swept Ole Miss. Yeah, oh, wow. Ole Miss. That's that's yeah. a big one. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, like they said, the league of no mercy. Um, yeah. That's a, yeah. So those, those midweek games sometimes just kind of, they, uh, they don't, I'm not going to say they don't matter, but like for resume perspective and stuff like that, it's not, it's not a big deal for those big name programs for the lesser ones. Yeah. It helps them. It could help them a lot, but those games sometimes get really chippy and really competitive. And, yeah, uh, you saw with Texas and Texas State. Yeah, like like you know that that's you know you saw Abilene Christian beat TCU. You know, like one of their first ranked wins in a long time or whatever it ever. is. And uh, ever. Um, ever, yeah. So yeah, those those games can often um, have a little extra spice um, to them for sure, but. Um, yeah, it's uh, we're getting to the stretch run here in in, um, in college baseball. I mean, this is kind of the time where teams got to figure out who they are and and make their move and and everything else and roles getting solidified and stuff like that. Uh, a little little over the halfway mark, but um, yeah, it'd be fascinating to see how all these how all these the conference races and you know if Tennessee's going to run away with it. And what happens to the Big Twelve and um everything else i don't know if i have a great feel for for the big 12 right now um i know tech is tech is seven and two but they've also played kansas and kansas state already so right kind of kind of tough to know yeah there's some, a couple big weeks coming up um i was looking at some of the remaining schedules and um it's gonna be interesting yeah there's still a lot of big matchups left out there in the conference uh, over the next couple of weeks so it should be fun yeah, yeah. Entertaining, if, if nothing else. So. Yeah, right. Definitely uh, fun, entertaining, and uh, yeah, go a long way to determine what those what that postseason bracket looks like when it comes out. But um, well, have you have you uh, have you hit any more eggs? You've have you done any more Easter egg hunting? Or I don't know what our plan is for that. We're going down to San Antonio for oh okay for weekend. So I don't I don't know what our better better. Uh, uh, I better alert the tortilla factories down there. The the number one the number one culprit HEV for the, the butter way. tortillas is coming in town, and he's hungry. We might hit every HEV on the way on the way down <laughs> and back. Oh man, that's one city that like I I really like going to, but I've never truly explored like the the food scene there. Like I've had good stuff there, but we just often are. There's so a Pinkerton's to, there. What are you there about? Yeah, I've been to that, and it is yeah. really really good. Um, great setup too. Big outdoor area and stuff like that. Um, but besides, like I don't feel like I've gone on like a like a big old taco binge in San Antonio where I do it the right way and kind of go to a lot of the great places and, and stuff like that. So that's a city I need to do a, uh, 
I kind of need to do a food. Even with all those Alamo bowls? <laughs> yeah. But like you go down there and you end up like staying kind of close by and tailgating or whatever. And like, I, I love the, the river walk, but like a lot of those restaurants down there are, um, are more commercial chainy type places as opposed to kind of the, the true San Antonio areas and stuff like that. So that's a city I need to kind of do more food exploration for, you know, I always try to give myself a little extra time to get down there, but the damn traffic's always so bad that it just, shoots my plans and i never really get to do anything but um yeah i was looking up san diego food places last night because we're going to san diego for a weekend just the last kind of hurrah before the second kid arrives and kind of looking through all the burritos in san diego um because that's not something i've i've done yet when i've been there um so yeah let me know if you eat anything good in san antonio that's like kind of authentic san antonio so i can add it to my list all right the usual stuff for the whole time but yeah, we've got two. He, Jack's got two Easter egg hunts on Saturday. Oh, actually, no, two birthday parties Saturday, and then an Easter party on Sunday. So um, it's gonna be a uh, it's gonna be another busy weekend uh, with with the little man running around. Um, hopefully, it looks like the weather will cooperate. Hopefully, my tavern to go arrives to uh, tomorrow or Saturday. Um, kind of mess with that, and yeah, uh, right. uh, be an exciting Easter weekend. So nice. Hope it's hope we mix in a little relaxation for the dads if we can, but I'm not getting my hopes up about that. So we'll en- enjoy San Antonio and to everybody listening out there. Thanks for tuning in again. Um, we've crossed the 17,000 download mark. Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, really excited to keep going out and seeing a lot of these games, a lot of these big time district matchups as these teams kind of make their playoff pushes and, uh, and gear up for, for what many hope are, are deep runs in the playoffs and stuff like that. But uh, you can you can follow uh, the podcast on Apple Podcasts on on Podbean. Um, we publish these the video podcasts on YouTube as well. But make sure you're following all the uh, the five tool stuff on Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook. I mean, we're all over the place, and it's I, I, I'm always amazed at the the video stuff that those guys get, and like the but also too like the exciting stuff. Like it seems like every single day there's almost something like really exciting happening somewhere uh, on the high school baseball scene so uh so thanks for tuning in and if you're not tuning in make sure you're hitting those follow buttons on there uh so you can keep up with us and all the high school content that we're doing but uh that wraps it up for today until we talk to y'all next time have a great easter weekend and take care